Cause I'm doing just fine How to out to know Hello and welcome back for episode two of Note to Note. I'm Matt Nelson. And tonight we're doing a little note to note on a book called Hard Rain Falling by Don Carpenter. I picked this book up at Powell's and uh, I think there's a reason why a Portland bookstore would sell this Portland book. But uh, as you know, the format of this whole thing will be five minutes of me talking about the book. And then I'll read a random passage. And then uh, I'll, I'll read you some notes, some of my highlighted and underlined and starred sections. Uh, but one thing that I forgot to do last time is um, tell you who should read the book. So look out for that. All right, so if I can get five minutes on the clock, I'll start talking. Okay, here we go. Hard rain falling. This is a NYRB book with a nice introduction from... George Pelicanos. Uh, so that kind of gives you an idea of what type of book this will be. If you know who George Pelicanos is or who the New York Review of Books is. But Hard Rain Fallen is all about a few characters who start off out in Portland, which is why I picked the book up. Uh, there's a prelude of when the main character Jack's parents get together uh, somewhere in small and pretty close-minded but moral perhaps you'd say uh, but the book really starts going when Jack and uh, his soon-to-be friend Billy start running around Portland um, and this is the part of the book that really captured my attention um, it's set right after at least this part right after World War two and in Portland that's a that's an interesting time because during the war there was a ship manufacturer who created a lot of jobs and specifically many black families moved west so that they could work at this uh, manufacturing plant. But after the war, uh, a lot of that money dried up and that is present in this Portland it's it's kind of a dried up Portland even though it's still wet and you got a bunch of kids who uh, aren't doing much with their life except trying to have fun and get in trouble and get out of get out of it as quick as possible and 
Jack is one of these kids who doesn't know what to do with himself, which why should you at that age, but also doesn't have the cushion of support to allow one to explore that. And so Jack is a kind of a hard knock who is only good at fighting. And Billy's really good at pool. And Billy comes down from Seattle so that he can start hustling and making some money, but he's young. He's probably like 13, and Jack is a little bit older, but also not very much. And what's interesting at this point, the very beginning, the point that I like is the, like the existential dread of growing up and kind of the feudalism that some kids see right from the beginning. Like, what's the point of this whole thing if all, I, all I'm going to do is work and have a family and pass on all my negative traits that my parents had? It's, it's a cycle that you don't want to be a part of if you don't see a point to it. And so Jack and Billy and some of the other crew start having some fun outside of the cycle, and eventually the fun gets broken up and they all go their own ways. And what's cool about this book is that it, uh, it talks a lot about incarceration and what happens to someone who gets locked up, what happens while you're locked up, and the difference between in and out and even even how hard it is to stay off of probation, not not do a, a PV once you get out. I think he describes the boredom of being inside really well and how each prison or jail has its own system led by the inmates or the guards or a combination of both. But um, I don't know, this book is really cool because it kind of... It kind of does the, the whoop, there's our five minutes, but it kind of does the whole on the road, I don't know what's going on with my life, questioning society and the rules, but, but from the point of view of someone who doesn't win very often and who doesn't have much in terms of luck or or marketable skills and it's it's definitely not the story of what you would call an artist this is just this i mean just but this is a person um and there's oh man there's oh there's some real love in there and what's cool is it's, yeah, there's some real love. I don't know. It's, there's a lot of eyesight, like what you see and what you get when you see. All right, so next section is read a random passage. So I would love for it to tell all. There we go. Okay. Hey, well, this is interesting. But here we go. Shortly after he had quit working in Eastern Oregon, 
He had gone all over with a partner, pulling a short change racket that involved the changing of a $20 bill for a package of cigarettes. He imagined he had done this enough times to deserve at least 100 years in prison, if he got a year on each count. So he was not feeling particularly innocent, at least in the eyes of the law. As for the true crimes of his life, the crime of being born without parents, the crime of being physically strong and quick, the crime of not having a Puritan conscience, the crime of existing in a society in which he and everybody else permitted crime without rising up in outrage. Well, he was purely and perfectly guilty here too, as was everybody else. So that didn't matter either. The trick was to keep from being, quote, punished for his, quote, crimes. He decided that to fight the authorities, to balk, would in a sense be admitting that they were right and he was wrong. But of course there wasn't any right or wrong. So it was better to cooperate, to do anything that would lessen his punishment. Except that in his heart, he felt deep personal rage at himself for cooperating. It made him grind his teeth together to keep from shouting out his self-hatred, from beating himself against the concrete wall of his cell. The thought kept ballooning up in his mind that they had no right to treat him like an animal, no matter what he had done or not done. All night long in his cell, he burned with hatred. It did not matter what he thought. It was how he felt. And alone in the darkness of his cell, with the muttering noises of the tank around him, he felt like murdering the universe. So, that is a section after Jack has been set up by his once partner. Uh, it's, I mean, this is, there's a lot in this book that is not, there's a lot in this book that's problematic. Um, like there's a, there's an interesting take on race uh, in terms of, in terms of who's against the power. Um, there's actually an interracial gay relationship in this book, uh, which seems pretty not standard for 62, but um, yeah, there's a lot of class stuff. There's a lot of questioning masculinity. Um, but there's some weird shit, whoops, weird stuff. Like, the main character basically has sex with a 16-year-old, though he says he doesn't know it. Uh, and this is how he gets set up to go to jail and has to cooperate with the DA. I mean, he, yeah. This is a, But the thing is, this book is so good at lining out how crooked... The judicial system is uh, when it comes to getting plea deals and trying to figure out the best way not to be stuck in jail for the rest of your life. But uh, there's also this amazing scene about him being locked up for so long. But listen to this part. I'm gonna start skipping to some some quotes. So here's some more about prison. 
Prison stinks, man. It really stinks. Think of all them motherfuckers on the outside who don't know what it's like and think we belong here. Man, think about them cats. Ain't a one of them don't break the law every time it gets in their way. I think that's true. Here's another one. Look around you, man. All you'll see in here is the fucking chicken thieves. All the big boys, the pros, the white-collar cats are on the outside, or down in Chino, out in the sun. Sure, fuck yes, you got to do something with the criminals, but you got to do it to all the criminals, or the whole thing is horseshit. Again, that seems pretty correct. Okay, so here's, here's a good part. Okay, Jack said, so there's a lot of injustice. So what? What's that got to do with you? Nothing. Only I do hate it. Man, justice is based on the idea that we all got a right to live our lives any way we fucking please, so long as we don't fuck up anybody else. Okay, I did wrong. I'll pay. I'll do my time. But I hope you don't think I'm going to do this because I bopped that one little check. I hope you know I'd be home free or at worst out on probation if I had the money to buy a good lawyer. There's just, I don't know. There's just so much, so much about how privileged certain people are, and how that really can affect your life. Um, okay, let's let's get some. Let's get another quote. Uh, There's, there's some in the very beginning about the teenagers, and I really love that, the teenage stuff. Here we go, here we go. These were the kids who were not liked or wanted enough at their high schools or were despised or who despised school themselves and who wanted the excitement downtown promises. The ones who were in trouble with the schools, the police, the parents, nearly everybody. And so gathered together into one loosely knit gang. And new members kept coming along, many like Jack to be recognized and admitted to the group on the criteria of toughness, a lack of conventional morals, a dislike of adults, and a hatred of the police. Most of them were like Jack Levitt in that they wanted a lot of money and wanted to do anything they pleased, at least for a while, but most of them saw it differently. They wanted to enjoy themselves now because they knew in their hearts that soon they would get jobs and get married and start having families like their own, and the fun would be over. If they seemed too noisy, too wild, too defiant, perhaps it was a little out of desperation, because lying before them were endless years of dull existence, shabby jobs, unattractive mates, and brats with no more future than themselves. Jack at least had a vision of the future which included a wildness in itself, a succession of graduated pleasures and loves and joys, and if it was going to be a struggle, that was all right, too. He knew how to fight for what he wanted. In fact, that was almost all he did know. I don't know. I feel like 
I want to, like, if I was going to recommend this book, I would actually, I think I'd recommend it to some of my students because a lot of them share this hopelessness about their future. And for good reason, I think, because many of them, many of them, if they broke the law, would not be saved, right? They would not be saved by society or or a Samaritan or their families, if they have them. Not because they're disliked, some of them maybe, but just because the opportunity cost for a lawyer, just to know what you're doing, it costs money. Although the language is pretty problematic at some parts. But um, let's see. Jack gets older, Jack falls in love. Uh, but there's there's a part about him having someone die for him that is it's it's this ghost that he holds for the rest of his life and it it's a uh, it's this original paint i don't know it's like the hardwood under the carpet like even though he he puts this new floor ab above what is his base there i don't know i don't know how to say this right but there's something about having the scuff marks beneath the the softness of some colored fabric, like the wood that makes him has been scarred. Even if he covers it up, it's still there. But he's not, I don't know, it's not like this, it's a sadness, but it's not a melancholy. It's not the reason why the world is scarier hard to go on I don't know Jack Jack is I don't know Jack is a character that you don't love but you start to understand and you can see how someone maybe not changes their ideas drastically but they change how they approach their ideas or play with their ideas or meditate upon their ideas All right, so that's uh, episode two. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you read. Give it to George Pelicanos or any teenager you think is in need of uh, of uh, the rest of their life. <laughs> okay, see you next time.